right, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency's Tennessee Wildcast. Good to have you here, Jason Harmon, right over here. Get How's to our going, guest Dave? in a minute. I'm good, Jason. We got a good show today. Yeah, we looking forward to it. Show. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, you know the seasons are right around the corner. Hunting's going to start in no time. I know there's starting to be some excitement out there. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about a lot of things wildlife today. Yeah, you all right free, with that? Free hunting days right around the corner. and That's, We've got dove season coming dove up. Season. We've got squirrel season not too far from open early. It's, I know it's still hot, but it's all going to be around here. And we're going to be talking about that. But what we got coming up, too, that you did a Facebook this week on. You got with Joe Benedict, if you haven't gone out there to, to look at it, this weekend uh, in July. As we get toward the end of July for this show. Check it out. It's a it's a good Facebook about what's going on with our August fifth waterfowl blind drawing. Sixth, sixth. August sixth. Pardon me. August sixth waterfowl blind drawing <laughs> across the state. And that's in there too. The you right didn't watch date, it, right? did you? You didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, I just can't remember. It's been 30, 40 minutes ago. Uh, anyway, August the sixth coming up, and we'll go ahead and give you a little bit of primer on it. Anyway, uh, it's going to be at, held at mostly Middle Tennessee and West Tennessee blinds. Mm-hmm. It starts. Uh, it starts at 7 o'clock. Registration does. If you want to go check out a waterfowl blind somewhere and see if you can get drawn for it or get your buddy to sign on with you. Right. If you're not in line by 10, you're out of luck. Make sure you have your correct licenses and permits. If you're a sportsman's license holder, you're in good shape already. The rest of you need to go do a little homework and make sure you got the right licenses. And, and just have a good time. It's going to be a hot day. It always is mm-hmm. when we have the waterfowl blind drawing. Uh, so make sure you take a, something to drink with you. And some of these events have big events associated with them have things happening at them there's displays set up and vendors there and and they really make a big deal out of it they have a good time they do they have a great time so i I wish you the best waterfowl season here before you know it we'll be doing some shows on projections for waterfowl what it looks like is mother nature going to work with all of us this year and uh, send down some ducks so that you guys can get out and have a good time right and if i'm not mistaken the sandhill crane drawing comes up a week later. It does. And that's so. that's part of the thing you did with Joe, too, right? Mm-hmm. It's out yep. there on the it's Facebook there. page. You know, it's, the, it's just the statewide TWA Facebook page. Get out there and look at it because there's always great information going on. All right, let's widen out. Let's introduce our guest. Yeah. All right, Mark Goodlin. Hello, Mark. Morning. Mark is the Chief of Wildlife and Forestry yes. here at TWRA. And Mark's, a lot of you know Mark. He's done a lot of great work for the agency for many years. A lot of you might recognize Mark for his private lands work that you've done and um, working a lot with small game, Mark. That's been a good portion of your life, but now you got to work with everything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How you very, like that? Very humbling and very challenging. And very. Every time I talk to Mark, he's still working. It don't matter what time of day he is. He's got some kind of project going on with him. So it's it's probably been a learning curve even for you, I expect, right? Well, it's just, I was, um, as you mentioned, the habitat portion has been a, a big portion of my career in, in small game, and I was – assistant chief of the division when there was just one in, in the division so uh, but since then I've been out of the population realm a little more so I'm having to get more familiarized with a lot of the details and operations and some of the things that have changed and uh, uh, again it's, it's 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 challenging but it's very interesting when I started here uh, I believe Larry Markle was the chief of wildlife Correct. Was Larry that? was chief for quite quite a long time. Forgot out exactly how many years. Yeah. So that we've had that we've had this transition through the years, and now it's your turn to do some work. And Mark Wood, on just in a, a nutshell, there, what does being the chief of wildlife, and in this case forestry, that's a change in recent years. But what does mm-hmm. that mean? Uh, basically, I supervise the personnel and operations of a 27-member staff 
that help uh, guide and implement the game management and forestry programs of the agency. Uh, there is a biodiversity division, as you know, Bill Reeves, chief, that, that handles the non-game portion, but we focus on the game management and forestry. And so in that staff, we have two assistant chiefs, and then we have five statewide program leaders that coordinate the program implementation with, uh, with the regions uh, across the state. And then we have uh, 12 uh, forest managers and technicians that are stationed on TWA lands, you know, lands that we own, and, and the crews do the forestry work on, that was my next on our agency-owned lands. What would be an example of forestry work on our lands? What, what kind of work are they doing? Uh, timber harvest. A lot of it's uh, dealing with in- inventory, uh, planning, uh, timber harvests that are, uh, you know, basically for the purpose of uh, improving forest health and and wild and the wildlife management uh, benefits that we get from those operations. And a lot, a lot of times we do get some income from, as an added benefit from that too, from from selling the timber. But okay. the, but the primary goal is managing the habitat for wildlife. All right. So you said there's a dozen across the state. How many did you say? A dozen managers and technicians uh, that are stationed uh, various areas. We've got crews on North Cumberland WMA, uh, Catoosa, Cheatham, and then West Tennessee uh, forestry crew that's primarily works on on wetlands areas that they did a lot of reforestation uh, over the last decade or so. So there's always work going out there year round. There's forestry work going on. And then we have four uh, wildlife habitat biologists that are positions that are actually cost-shared with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the Natural Resources Conservation Service, and or NRCS for short. And uh, they provide technical assistance to landowners and try to walk them through uh, various cost-share opportunities. A lot of what we call the Farm Bill programs uh, are uh, implemented through the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And so they you know, and it's constantly changing, can be confusing, and so they uh, develop management plans free of charge uh, for the landowners to try to get them, you know, you know whether they land as cropland or pasture or uh, timbered forest lands, uh, try to get them uh, a plan that will get them the wildlife benefits they're looking for and hopefully um, positively impact their operations too. It's a non-ending thing, I guess, Mark. That's something that'll probably be around for long after we're gone. Uh, concerned about the the wildlife management out there, with with still continued development in Tennessee. We're going to keep on developing, but the news is pretty good sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. As far as how many folks are interested in having their land managed just for wildlife. Oh yeah, yeah. There's uh, uh you know, we we try to, you know, over ninety percent of Tennessee is private land, uh, and a lot of interest in you know most people are interested in wildlife a lot of landowners want to see wildlife habitats many in an increasing number own land specifically for wildlife management and recreation uh, so there's a lot of requests uh, really for biologists aren't that many to, to help meet the demand but we also uh, cost share uh, three positions with uh, quail forever conservation organization and nrcs and and like the for private, uh, the wildlife habitat biologists we have, they're actually stationed and housed at uh, NRCS area offices and work in concert with a uh, NRCS wildlife biologist. So as a team together, they, they're trying to get the boots on the ground, 
um, to work with the landowners one-on-one so that they understand what they're doing and, and are doing it right and, and, again, are successful in their habitat management efforts. All right. All right. And there are there is web information if you can go out and find that kind of stuff that will help you out if you're a landowner. Uh, TNWildlife.org, you can get it on there. You can find it if you come onto our website, right? Correct. Pull down that stuff at the top for hunters and some other stuff out there, and you will find the information that you need that will lead you to Mark's, <clears throat> that will lead you to Mark's folks. All right, Mark, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is not to get as wonkish as we get sometimes, but to talk about the state of our state with wildlife, where we are. And this came with case with game. I know you said Bill Reeves works with non-game. That's bald eagles and, and snakes and bats and all that cool stuff. But we want to talk to you specifically about game, what sportsmen uh, are interested in when it comes time to, to do a little hunting, to do a little trapping. But in this case, mostly hunting. And I want to start with deer. Uh, deer is an animal that, that's had a lot of work done on it through the years. I think we probably have hit a plateau in the numbers, but that's for you to tell me. Where are we with deer? What's our, where are our numbers this day, and what's the future for white-tailed deer in Tennessee? Yeah, uh, of course, white-tailed deer are our number one uh, game species. You're looking at uh, about 250,000 hunters. Uh, the harvest actually has been fairly consistent, uh, particularly over the last five years, right about 165,000 uh, deer that were harvested. We have a, a very healthy uh, deer herd at this time. Uh, provides a lot of recreational opportunities and we look to try to enhance those of course for deer and all other wildlife where uh, they can uh, withstand sustained harvest and of course this year as you know we changed the the deer hunting units right um, and while in in unit A there was a decrease from uh, four antlerless deer to two antlerless. It actually increased a lot of opportunities in many of the particularly East Tennessee counties. What was unit units A and B are now A, B, C, and D. And so uh, what we did is we uh, there are counties, uh, several counties that didn't have any antlerless opportunities that that have opportunities now. And we also took. Um, a lot of the antlers opportunities were late in the season, and we moved those all to the beginning of uh, of the the gun season. So either the depending on your unit, either the first seven days or keep that interest there. Yeah. when people are out there and they want to go, and a greater chance greater chance of them having success in harvesting an antlerless deer at that time too. All right. Speaking of antlerless, you also changed this year a big change in in what the antler and antlerless definition is. How's that going? <clears throat> we'll find out soon we need to <laughs> yeah. as, as you know we need to do a lot of publicity about that because i've talked to several people just asking them if they've heard about it and and still are not aware of the change that we made basically for i guess over 30 years yeah. we had uh, a category of deer called antlerless bucks mm-hmm. so if it had if uh, at least or if um, at least one antler well if both antlers were under three inches in length that mm-hmm. was considered an antlerless deer and counted towards the antlerless bag limit. Well, now, if there is antler exposed above the hairline at all, then it counts as an antler deer and counts towards the statewide bag limit. That would be um, a buck. That would it, be a buck. So yeah. there's only two this year, right? And typically, there are only uh, there's two, limit only is two. two. Yeah, right. We're going into our second year of, um, we used to be, uh, for quite a few years, three mm-hmm. uh, limit of three bucks per hunter in a season now it's now it's two okay so a lot of hunters are yet unaware because when it first came out we really pumped it up but 
Pumping up deer season in May is not like pumping up deer season <laughs> in September and October. Yeah, so that. we'll do that. But they, they, again, if it's above the hairline and you and you kill it out of the field, it goes toward that buck limit. So we need to, you know, hunters need to make sure take that a, a close look uh, to make sure that that deer doesn't have exposed antlers. Otherwise, you know, if you've already shot two bucks, you may uh. find yourself and in violation because of harvesting a third buck. And we don't want that. We don't want to make anybody don't want to make anybody into a doing some kind of criminal act they don't no. want to do. So please be careful with it and we will advertise it a lot. We'll get Jason to do a whole lot more wildcast extras or yeah, something. We'll, we'll, yeah. We could do a wildcast extra just on that. We will. We will do that and get some information out on it. Mark, it's gonna be interesting and that was for those who haven't heard about it yet, it was something that was done in the May meeting. Commission supported it. It passed, I think it passed unanimously or close to it, did it not? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. so uh, uh, the commission, that was a request, actually a request from the commission. And it, it actually puts a, most other states, um, particularly surrounding us, have that same definition. And it, okay. it, it clarifies some things because it's always confusing when you're talking about you got antler deer and you've got your button bucks and then you've got antlerless bucks and so a lot of that gets confusing but okay um, and and it's since just you're gonna be it, a change like like anything is time to adjust to that it change. Will. And, and a button buck now that you said it if it's a button buck and it hadn't broke that skin it's still an antlerless, it's still deer. An antlerless deer okay so that's i know that's a question that's been asked quite a bit by those who do realize that it's there all right good deal let's move on then let's go to turkey what about our turkey in tennessee uh, we've got a fall season that's coming up it's going to be different because of some concerns again this was sort of a commission driven thing too but how do you think our overall population is in tennessee with the turkeys and are there some concerns overall the population is still good we're still one of the top turkey states in the country and Looking over the last 10 years, we typically harvest between about 32 to 30,000, or excuse me, 32 to 37,000 turkeys a year. And we've had uh, fairly liberal uh, seasons. You know, we've got a limit of four in the spring, um, one of the lengthier, you know, a fairly lengthy season, about six weeks long uh, typically. And we've also had um, some pretty liberal fall hunting opportunities and that's where the concern is and and not only Tennessee but a lot of other states are seeing that you know turkey populations were at a high and then now they seem to be dropping off and and we really don't have we're kind of guessing as to what what is causing it it may be just a, a simple function of wildlife population restoration often when you're restoring a species like mm -hmm. that right. they'll actually overshoot the carrying capacity you know they you see this period of of steep incline they overshoot the carrying capacity and then it, it falls off to a low, lower level and will fluctuate around that levels so that could be but there's concerns about maybe that we pr may have started out a little too liberal in our fall harvest when it's and it was particularly in, in Middle Tennessee oh, where well, we were seeing, seeing the deepest yeah, decline since mm -hmm. 2010. And in Region 2, harvests about one-third of uh, the total harvest of the state. So that's where the biggest concern was. Okay, so what is the change in the fall? What, what's going to happen? The, the spring's still the same, right? Four birds. Spring is still the same. Okay, but the fall point. season, which is a relative, it's a short season coming up, but what is the change? The change is that any county that was open to fall turkey harvest last year now has a limit of one so it's consistent okay. uh, across the state 
Uh, some counties, and there were several, I think about a dozen, 15 counties in Middle Tennessee that still had a limit of six or three, and a lot of those, you know, again, they're all dropped to uh, one bird. But, but again, uh, even on the positive, looking at the positive side of that, uh, there's still a lot of opportunity because those are county bag limits. So if I go kill my uh, one bird either sex, in Sumner County, if I have a place to go in Robertson County or Wilson County, then you know, I can go and harvest a bird there, too. There. So if you have access, and you know, some some of the uh, WMAs are open with statewide seasons, so I could harvest there or, again, on private land where you have permission. Will the archers, archery hunters only, will they still have an opportunity to bag a turkey? During the fall, archery-only season. Okay, yes. but one. one. That would be it. Mm-hmm. They're is, done, too. they got to go to another county. Per county. Is one, that one, one per county. That's one bird. Per day or one bird per county for the one for the season one fall bird per Period. county and that's in for the, for the whole fall, fall season. season yes yeah. okay so so it's restricted more but it's it's a it's a popular hunt it's nothing like the, the spring turkey hunt but it is a time of year too where you can get either sex as you said a minute ago you Correct. can actually go out and get a yeah. and get a hen there was some concern that we may have been uh, over harvesting the hens at that time and they were comprising about sixty five percent of the fall turkey harvest. I saw a lot of the comments that came in on it, Mark. I was reading them, and I really think sportsmen, I don't know what's happened since then, but I think sportsmen were behind. They, they really wanted to see a restriction in the harvest. And has that been your feeling? Am I reading that right, or am I wrong on that? You've probably seen a lot more comments than I, than <laughs> yeah. I have, but generally uh, the hunters seem to have agreed with that change. Okay, good deal. All right, let's move on to another critter. Uh, I didn't put it in your notes, so I don't want to catch you off guard, but it just hit me since we're on, we were on whitetail deer. What about sure. our elk? Uh, are elk doing okay, the population that we have east of here? Yes, uh, the elk seem to be doing well. They're very hard to census and come up with an exact, you know, a, a number on it just because of the, especially because of the rough forested terrain there. Right. Uh, but we're pretty confident we have 400 or more elk, and in fact, we increased, increased harvest. Uh, har- or the harvest opportunity right. this year. There were six permits that we had. There's now five archery-only permits, and both the archery-only permits and the permits that were previously just WMA are now open to both the WMA and um, five counties there, which be Anderson, Campbell, Claiborne, Morgan, and Scott County. So, That's you know, good. we are having some you remembered all that. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> I'm impressed. That's why he's early in the morning. That's why he's the chief. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's good. All right. So elk is good. And Mark, we, elk's never going to be like white-tailed deer, right? We're not ever going to harvest 100,000 elk. And I, I wouldn't think so. They've, yeah. they've actually been increasing a little bit slower than, than we originally anticipated when, when the elk were stocked. Yeah. And, and limited to an area, and that's the way it's probably going to be for a while. Right, and we do have an elk restoration zone established, and once they get outside that zone, uh, then they're open game at this point. Okay, all right, good deal. And I'll remind everyone, the guide, the hunting guide, is out on the website right now as we speak, tnwildlife.org. You can go look at it electronically. It'll be out in a hard copy. Pretty soon it has all a lot of what Mark's talking about in it, uh, the seasons anyway, maybe not the, the management, but at least give you an idea of what the seasons are, how many bag, what you can do with your bag limits and when your season dates are. All right, what about our black bear, Mark? They're, they're not here in Middle Tennessee where we're doing this show from today, except for occasionally one kind of wonders through. Is that telling us anything? Bears. Bears. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, bears will, the adult, or excuse me, the juvenile males particularly will roam. We've had bear come up here 
Uh, it's probably in 10 years or so, I believe that was from Louisiana. Made a big excursion I remember around, that. around yeah. the southeast. And, uh, you know, we do get reports occasionally of these of bears wandering. And, you know, when you look over the past, uh, really the black bear population is, is doing well. In fact, overall, maybe uh, on an increase this last year, we had our third highest harvest at uh, 550 bears and wow uh, we we tend to have our our highest harvest in the years when there's poor mast you know uh, soft mast berries and hard mast acorns Uh, uh, when it's poor mast in the mountains then they are traveling around looking for food more and are exposed more to to hunting pressure at that time but then uh, of course we also restored bear population up in big south fork area on north Cumberland Plateau, and and we have uh, our zone four is located there. Mm-hmm. There are five zones this year in Bear. Is yes, there correct? are five, five zones. Five zones, and they all have some are with dogs and some are not. And if you're not a bear hunter, you really need to go look at that if you want to know. But that's how it goes, right? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's so there's four zones one through four, and then there's a transitional zone. And and more than likely, I would expect we will still see some increase in the bear population, particularly in the more forested counties over in the. Uh, Cumberland Plateau, and we may, you know, in the coming years, see an expansion of uh, Zone Four and the transitional zone. I'm just, what, what does I'm that just mean? guessing at this point. What does transitional zone mean? I, mean, I can understand one, two, three, four, but what are we saying when we say transitional? Well, it's on the looking at the bear habitat primarily being like Cherokee National Forest and Great Smoky Mountains. It's kind of the transition out of that heavily forested landscape more into the more of an open, urbanized area. What does that mean, though, is if there is hunting in the transitional zone. Yes, there, there is, is hunting a, some amount of hunting, zone. and that's all in there, too. It's, our bear hunters, bear, bear hunters are, some of it's just such a tradition dra- dating back so long and stays within families a lot, but are there bear, new bear hunters coming in all the time in Tennessee, do you think? Do you think that bear hunting is something that attracts hunters, like uh, maybe not to the degree, but like deer attracts hunters or turkey attracts hunters? I would believe so. I, again, I, I, I guess I'm not haven't delved into that sort of detail but knowing that the the bear harvest uh you know we're seeing that gradual increase i would think they're recruiting new bear hunters into that tradition okay i would say that smoky mountain area draws would draw some hunters i would think Mm -hmm. over there on that appalachian and do we and we still have areas where bears are protected correct like a refuge or reserves in Mm -hmm. this case they're called still out there Correct. Okay. All right. All right. Let's move to another area that, that uh, you're comfortable with everything, Mark, but we're going to go into a small game that you've got a lot, a lot, a lot of time in. And we got the dove season coming up here, only in, really just a few weeks away. I know it's hard to believe, but it's not very far away at all. And we got the dove, and we'll have some, some, um, some waterfowl too. But what about dove specifically in Tennessee? Is it is there a way of knowing? Are they like ducks where the wildlife service can go out and fly over the potholes and get projections on what the harvest is or do we just or what the numbers are we yeah, just kind of do the same thing yeah they're they're not a lot harder to count and you with waterfowl you're counting them on ponds when they're concentrated mm-hmm. uh, but uh nationwide dove populations uh seem to be very stable in fact um i can't remember how many you know it's in recent years uh, the season was lengthened from 70 days to 90 days, so it, it was 60 days prior to that sometimes. So we've seen an increase in, in dove hunting opportunities. And, of course, as an agency, we try to provide as many opportunities as we can. Last year we had uh, around 85 uh, public fields. Right. Uh, about two-thirds of those were wildlife management areas, and I think we had 28 
leased fields last year where we compensate the landowner for providing that public hunting opportunities for doves. Okay, and, and we're, we had a, we got an extra coming up on that for Facebook pretty soon? Yeah, we'll have that out. Uh, I guess in a couple of weeks we'll put that out. Okay, and Joe, we got Joe Benedict in here, and he's going to talk about where, about those fields. But they'll be available to everybody, public and private, and we'll be looking for private fields any day, I guess, pretty soon, right? Yeah, they'll be, they'll be looking pretty soon. By August 15th, uh, we should have the wildlife management area fields posted on the website. And for, from from there up until two to three days prior to the season, we'll still be in the process. Our field personnel will be in the process of uh, trying to find good fields where the landowner is willing to lease those hunting rights and we can provide public dove hunting opportunity and here's my curveball why september 1st at noon do you remember i don't remember i've been here a long time and i don't remember why september 1st beginning at noon that's when the season starts i'm only working at that time first at, you're gonna be probably gonna be working a dove field so anyway do you remember it's been a long time since i was involved in that in that discussion uh there it was always you know should we open it on the first saturday in august or the, you mm-hmm. know people wanting to open it a lot earlier uh but yet uh fish and wildlife service is stuck with uh, september 1st for whatever it's a tradition and, and that that's is that joe is that, joe probably remember it joe, it's probably <laughs> joe might remember that is that part of it too the u.s fish and wildlife service gives you gives you guidelines just like they deal on ducks they deal with doves too and, and we're maybe taking the very first day we can is yes that, yes that, okay. for all the for all the migratory game birds, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service provides us a framework okay. as far as the number of days and between this opening date and this closing date. And so the state wildlife agencies then have the leeway to choose how they want to split that up within the framework that we're given. And then I noticed Joe, I, I was over, I was eavesdropping when Jason was doing his interview the other day that we'll show later. But uh, as he was as he was talking about all that <clears throat> with the with the doves, he was he was mentioning that that uh, that we had, I think, eight days that were moved or shifted into one of the segments. Is there a reason for that, or is that something? It's not the first segment. It's the second or the third. I think it's the third segment that yeah. was shifted. Do you remember why that was done? Uh, there's there's a lot of hunter uh, input to try to get more days okay. in that third segment, and that seems to be either you know the the, mo- the more popular ones tend to be either early in the season or, or late in the season, although probably about 90% of our the dove hunting that occurs in Tennessee typically happens in about the first 10 days after that second weekend the hunters are on the squirrel hunting or archery deer hunting and lots of other ventures yeah. and uh, as opposed to other states like South Carolina they have a lot of dove hunting clubs and they have a lot more consistent hunting through the season but we're pretty pretty much early and then there's a segment of the hunters that that will follow the doves through the through the season. Some of them like that third season when those doves come migrate. You get a lot more of those, uh, what they call the northern, what they say, the big northern doves those coming big through birds. there late in the season. And hit those big birds, they're slower too. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you shoot, Doug. I don't know if you hit them enough. <laughs> Throw a tree limb, baby. Don't, don't shoot them off God wires. One foot, one foot up. <laughs> All right, Mark. We're going to run out of time on you a minute. I don't want to do that. Uh, we got one or two other things. What about our rabbit and our quail? Where are our rabbit? and quail in 2016 uh not what they used to be mm-hmm. uh, and that basically is due to habitat you know we there's a lot more you know we expanding population uh, lose habitat outright to developments uh and the land that we have is being utilized a lot more intensively we're already a a state of small farms we're about fourth or fifth in the nation as far as the size of our farms average farm size is about 100 
35 acres, and as they get sold into smaller farms, you know, even where they're not being intensively cropped or pastured, people like to see it mowed. Oh, and then there's oh, there's vines in the woods, and we got to get those out. The sorts sorts of things, intensive land use like that, just isn't conducive to good. Uh, quail habitat in particular rabbits have a little wider mm-hmm. range of habitat succession that that they're able to utilize you know more in urban areas around houses they also have a lot of babies have a lot of babies <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. but, but quail need you know those idle grassy fields and and they need to be managed mm-hmm. uh fairly periodically otherwise tennessee just about every place grows up to trees if you don't mm-hmm. if you don't it just, provide some management practices it always, on it i always will say i understand it because i've talked to you for so many years it always seems odd that we can bring back this 20 pound bird so well in this little six ounce bird we have such a hard time with but i guess it's pretty delicate that just to, to be a small bird, to have their habitat concerns, and then everything, their ground nesters, right? So everything in the world right. can eat those eggs. Yeah, or every and they have a small home range is one of the big things. They can't, like a bigger animals, can travel to find all their habitat needs, whereas covey quail typically is going to be on about 20 to 40 acres. That's not much room. They don't find what they need there. They're not going to be there. Okay, they're they're going to be gone. So, but it's a it's a it's a big effort at TWRA mm-hmm. to work on quail. It's it. Some folks don't think the agency I think is working on quail every day, from eight to four thirty and way past that. Yeah. Uh, the guys are out there trying to make quail habitat better. And we can talk more specifically and maybe in another segment we will. about we will, our efforts. Mark. We yeah. plan on getting you back. This is just these are wildlife chief. We got to get you back in here. Okay, sure. But you've given us uh, given some great information getting folks fired up for the season and i wish you the best in your job because it is hard we haven't been fishing in five years i don't guess or quail hunting or quail <laughs> hunting or grouse hunting the only grouse i ever got was with this guy right here i saw him get a limit of grouse yeah you get you missed that bird just so i could get my limit that's what i like to think <laughs> anyway jason what what tell them what we do need to know well uh you can find us on tnwildlife.org uh just uh, go there and you can watch listen to Future shows, previous shows are all right there, and uh, stay connected with us. We're trying to let you know what's going on. Hey, watch those Wildcast extras. They're really good. All right, thank you, Mark. All right, we'll see you all next week.